Good morning. Well, we had a lovely time, those that were here earlier, a lovely time around the Lord at the Lord's Supper. Uh, you know, there are many here, of course, that appreciate that meeting because it is the central meeting of the church, the local body. Not the... But there's a danger in that too in that we who appreciate the remembrance of the Lord feel that that's the way that everyone feels and we forego teaching on the subject of the Lord's Supper. And so this morning what I'd like to do is take a little time to, grow, uh, to go through things that many of you are well aware of it's just a little refresher for the majority of you, but there may be one or two here that are not quite sure what it is that we do when we come together to remember the Lord. And perhaps we can get some clarity of that from the Word of God. Turn with me, if you would, to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. And, uh, of course, the, the 11th uh, chapter of Corinthians deals with the, initially deals with the order within the church, and then it comes on down into uh, the latter part of the, the chapter regarding the, uh, the Lord's Supper itself. Um, we're going to kind of jump right in the middle of that, beginning with verse uh, 23. And I'll read on down to, I think, verse 32 or so. Verse 23, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, this is Paul speaking, that the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. And therefore, whosoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this reason, many are weak and sick among you, and many sleep. For if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened by the Lord, that we may not be condemned with the world. And we're assured that the Lord will bless the reading of his most precious word. There are two ordinances, and only two ordinances, that are given to the church. First is baptism, which is a personal testimony before the world by a believer. 
And then there is, of course, the Lord's Supper. Now, we can tell that uh, each of these Two is an ordinance given to the church because it's given by the Lord. We find it in the Gospels, directed by the Lord himself. We then see the expansion of it in the book of Acts where the early church practices it. And then finally we see the um, teaching on it doctrinally in the epistles themselves. And we find that pattern with these two ordinances and these two alone. I come from a Catholic background. I could go through hundreds of ordinances for you, but here we have two, the simplicity of it, a personal testimony and a corporate testimony as to the death of the Lord Jesus and burial, the resurrection. Wonderful things. Now, there's, I think I need to step back a little bit because there are some questions I found over time that have arisen regarding the Lord's Supper and the Lord's Table. And there's some Conflicting thoughts regarding the Lord's table and the Lord's supper are they equal, are they the same? First Corinthians chapter 10 speaks of the Lord's table. First Corinthians 11 speaks of the Lord's supper. It's not wrong to call the Lord's supper the Lord's table because it is the great crowning glory of the Lord's table. It's in part of the table, but it's not specifically the table alone. Let me just contrast a few little things regarding, I won't go through the, the chapters, we, uh, we, we don't have enough time for that, but let me make a few contrasts regarding the table of the Lord in 1 Corinthians 10 and the supper of the Lord in 1 Corinthians 11. First of all, the language is different in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, the language is figurative. In, chapter, in uh, chapter 11, the supper, it is literal. The order is different. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, you begin with the cup and then the bread. Why? Because, of course, it is the, it's speaking of the the body of Christ, the fellowship in the body of believers, but it's based on the precious blood of the Lord Jesus. So the, the order is different, whereas, of course, in the supper, we've got the bread first and the cup, which is a historic approach as given in, in the Gospels. The description of the bread is different in the table, it's mystical. It's the mystical body of the Lord Jesus. Every believer is, is a part of it. But in the supper, it's the actual body of the Lord that is being spoken of. The uh, context is different. In the table, it is fellowship, one with another at the table. And with the supper, of course, it is remembrance, remembrance of the Lord Jesus and the proclamation of his death. 
the participants are somewhat different. At the table, it is all believers at all times. But at the supper, it's just a group. These four walls hold together a small group of people. There may be another one just a mile or two down the road, but the when the breaking of bread takes place, the remembrance of the Lord, it is by this unique group here and another one someplace else. And throughout the world, of course, there are these little assemblies of, of believers that, um, that are partaking of them. Uh, the, there's a danger in here as well. Uh, in the table, it's living unworthily. But, um, but in the supper, it is eating unworthily. We read of the, the, the terrible consequences in an assembly of eating unworthily. Um, the frequency is different, too. At the table, it's a partaking co uh, constantly, as if it were. Uh, Mephibosheth at the table of the king, and it says that he was there constantly. And so at the table, we can partake of all of the blessings of the Lord at the table of the Lord. But at the supper, of course, it is on a weekly or uh, as often as you will. And then the provision. The provision is, in the table, it is a provision of the Lord for his people. He's giving us everything in Christ Jesus to enjoy. Blessings for his people. But that's not true in the Lord's Supper. In the Lord's Supper, the provision is of the people for the Lord. We come to the Lord's Supper not to get, but to come and give. That's the principal difference there. The purpose is to minister to God. When we come together, we come for ministry to God. You remember in uh, the 44th chapter of Ezekiel, we have that lovely picture there. And then further on, it's expressed, of course, in, uh, in 1 Peter chapter 2 regarding the priesthood. Let's take the time. Turn to Ezekiel chapter 44 with me, if you would. Just to get the context of this, there was a, two groups of priests. One group had turned away from the Lord completely and then returned. They went after other gods and then they returned to the Lord, repented and returned to the Lord. And the Lord said, okay, I'll bring you back into the priesthood, but you can only minister to the people. Then there was a group that were the sons of Zadok, or Zadok. They never turned from the Lord. And he says, I want you to minister to me. Let's read that very quickly here, uh, beginning with uh, um, 
verse 10 of Ezekiel 44. And the Levites who went far from me when Israel went astray, who strayed away from me after their idols, they shall bear their iniquity, yet they shall be ministers in my sanctuary as gatekeepers of the house and ministers of the house. They shall slay the burnt offering and the sacrifice for the people, and they shall stand before them, that's before the people, to minister to them because they ministered to them before their idols and caused the house of Israel to fall into its iniquity. Therefore I have raised my hand in an oath against them, saying the Lord God, that, uh, says the Lord God, that they shall bear their iniquity and they shall not come near to me to minister to me as priests, nor come near any of my holy things, nor into the most holy place, but they shall bear their shame and their abomination which they have committed. Nevertheless, I will make them keep charge of the temple for all its works and for all that has to be done in it. But the priests, the Levites, the sons of Zadok, who kept charge of my sanctuary when the children of Israel went astray from me, they shall come near me to minister to me, and they shall stand before me to offer to me the fat and the blood says the Lord God. And so here's a group of priests that are to minister to the Lord, and that's what we do as priests, holy priests, Peter says, holy priests, the ministry to God. As royal priests, we are representatives of the Lord ministering to the people. And so here is a meeting, the only meeting, where we come to minister to God. Now what is it that we're ministering to God? The sons of Zadok brought the fat and the blood before the Lord. What does that speak of? Well, may I suggest that it speaks of the Lord Jesus himself? If we were to go through, through the first seven chapters of the book of Leviticus, we would go through all of the offerings, and in each of the blood offerings were the uh, expiatory or the savior, savior offerings, it doesn't matter, the blood and the fat, when it speaks of the fat, it, fat it's the fat around the kidneys, the innermost fat, the the that which encases the kidneys and the liver, those things, those, that was taken and burned. It didn't matter whether it was uh, part of uh, the sin offering or the trespass offering. It was to be burned on the altar of burnt offerings as a sweet savor offering before the Lord. God the father was looking at that scene and he's saying, look, it didn't matter what capacity you look at the Lord Jesus, be he the sin offering or the trespass offering or the peace offering or the burnt offering, there is a portion in that that I find a delight. This is my beloved son in whom I find all of my delight. And so when we come here, on a Lord's Day morning to remember the Lord. We come with our hands full. Remember in the 16th chapter of Leviticus, the priests would enter, the, the, the whole uh, dictates regarding the, the 
tabernacle and its requirements where the measures were given and weights were given and sizes and so on and so forth, except when it comes to the issue of uh, the incense. The high priest, no matter the size of his hands, he was to put his hands into that incense and take out the incense formed in his hands full. And that's what way we're to come. Hands full of Christ. Remember that before there was any blood in that, uh, uh, before there was any blood in the Holy of Holies at all on, uh, on the Day of Atonement, the first thing was, that went in there was one, the incense. A cloud of incense, and that's what we come with. We come with our hands full of the person of the Lord Jesus Christ, the sweetness of the Lord Jesus, a sweet-smelling savor unto God. Ministry to God. Ministry of the person of Christ to God. The participants, of course, in the Lord's Supper are believers. You can't remember somebody that you don't know. But it isn't just simply believers, believers that are sound in doctrine and are sound in practice. I remember a little assembly that I was at. There was a, well, I was going to say a brother. I don't know whether he actually was. But there was a man there claiming to be saved. And he was there for quite some time um, of Russian descent sent for his girlfriends from Russia and came and then set up household with her and wanted approval from the elders to break bread. Now, this is an extreme case. Obviously, they said no, but there are other cases that are far smaller than that where there is the issue of practice that is unsound or doctrine that is unsound and it needs to be measured. So there is the issue of that very clearly. The significance of the Lord's Supper, what is it? It's a gathering of his church, verse 21. Uh, uh, this section that we read, of course, gives us that. It's a breaking of bread. It's not, it's not subordinate to uh, <clears throat> another meeting. I was working a little bit with a, with a, uh, with a church up north uh, when they were looking for a pastor, a pastor left. It was gone for about a year. Little Baptist church, wonderful believers, sound, except in the area, of course, of the, these ordinances of breaking of bread and, then of, and, and uh, one-man ministry, that sort of thing. Um, but the breaking of bread was once a month, and it was kind of the, an adjunct to the, to the regular preaching meeting, just a little extension of a couple of minutes. But that's not what this is all about. Uh, of the three gatherings that we find in the book of Acts, you know, with, uh, the gatherings of the church, the meetings of the church, um, the preaching meeting, the prayer meeting and 
the breaking of bread, the most important is the breaking of bread. It's the central meeting of the church. We twist that all around. We say, here, this is it. This is ministry to the saints, not ministry to God. We as a body, a local body, are to minister to the Lord primarily and then secondarily we look at the other things of prayer and, and uh, the, the, the word of God. And so for preachers, it's, uh, it's a little sting to face the fact that this isn't it. It's necessary, directed of the Lord, but he wants ministry to his, to his own heart. And so there's a, the central gathering of the church is the Lord's Supper, the breaking of bread. It's a pledge of his covenant, kind of a reaffirmation. Um, each covenant in the Bible has some symbol, some kind of... Uh, um, sign, as if it were, a distinctive sign. The Mosaic Covenant has the weekly Sabbath. The New Covenant is the cup, is the cup at the Lord's Supper. Uh, and it uh, symbolizes his blood, which, which uh, um, ratified the, the covenant itself. And so when I look in that covenant and I I look in that cup and I say, well, there, this is representative of the blood of the Lord Jesus. It tells me that I'm no longer my own. I have been purchased, redeemed with the precious blood of the Lord Jesus. And that's what the picture is, and that's the agreement. It needs to be a personal examination. What is the personal examination? Well, obviously, uh, Nick and I were coming down this morning, and we he was talking about that a little bit because he did a little ministry on this. It's an ongoing judgment of us in ourselves of sin. It isn't something that I took care of on Friday before I came here on Sunday. It's a progression. It's something that continues on all the time. It's sin in my life. But I might suggest that it is even more than that. It isn't simply the issue of sin. We understand that. Nor is it the issue of being sinless. The issue is of being blameless. Blameless. If we went to Matthew chapter 5, you remember that? You've got an offering you're coming to give to the Lord. Lay it down if you remember something. What? If you have aught against a brother? No. If a brother has aught against you, you go and deal with it. Do you see it? Do you see the difference? Oh, if I have something going against my brother, well, I could be pretty vocal about that. But if I know that a brother has something against me, if there's something perhaps that I've done that has been um, an offense to him, the obligation is on my part, if he doesn't come to me, is to go to him to deal with the issue before I come to the supper of the Lord. Blamelessness is the issue, I think. 
It is the proclamation of his death, the proclamation of the death of the Lord Jesus in the King James Version, I think it says, to show forth as if it were to indicate to God, to proclaim to God, to show forth to God the death of the Lord Jesus. That's not the idea here at all. It's a testimony before the world. When we come together at the Lord's Supper, it's a testimony to the world out there. It's an object lesson, the gospel as an object lesson here, presenting to the world. Here's a little group of believers that are going, what are they doing there? They've got a loaf and, and, and a cup there, and, and they're, what, what is it that they're doing? But they're coming there faithfully. And even though they may not know that, those things on a regular basis uh, of what is being enacted there. It's a testimony to the world. Proclaiming the Lord's death to the world. The fact of that death, of course, is seen in the separation between the cup and the bread. The significance of us and our partaking of it. What has it accomplished? The salvation of sinners such as us. So the proclamation of his death, the remembrance of his person, the remembrance of his person it's not a matter of retrospection but a matter of commemoration, remembrance of his person. Not commemoration of his death, but of his person. He's the one who is ever living and in fact in our presence, in the presence at the meeting. Remember me, call me to mind. It is spoken of David in the Psalms. I don't quite remember right now which Psalm. I was trying to think of it, but Psalm lay, uh, David laying on his bed. He says, I bring you to remembrance. And then he uses a word, a specific word, that to us means meditate on him. Not only to bring him to mind, but then enwrap him, envelop him with our thoughts. That's what uh, meditation means. Not the Eastern form of meditation where you empty your mind. Here you fill your mind with Christ and then you envelop him with your thoughts. Remember the Lord. Now, dear saints, that doesn't happen on a Sunday morning only. In other words, we don't expect to live a, a week in the, in the world and then come here and somehow be able to wrap our mind around the person of the Lord Jesus. It's an ongoing progression in the life day by day, day by day. Remembrance of his person. 
What a lovely subject. Remember those two brothers uh, on the road to Emmaus, Resurrection Day, here they are. And a stranger comes along and says, why are you so long-faced? What's your problem? Well, our Lord has died. You know, we thought that he would be the answer to the redemption of Israel. He's, but no such, obviously no such thing. And so they walk along. And it says that he presents the scriptures to them in regards to himself beginning at Moses to the prophets from Genesis to Malachi. We tend to forget about the Old Testament as presenting the Lord Jesus Christ. We want to bring or have remembrance of the Lord Jesus any portion of scripture. Take it and there is Christ. The colors, the white, the purity of his moral glory, the blue, the man of heaven, the gold, the signet of his divinity and deity, the silver, redemption. People, Melchizedek, Joseph, different implements, furnishings, the altar of burnt offerings, first thing that you come to, salvation, the labor, sanctification in Christ, the lampstand, the illumination in Christ, the table of showbread, the fellowship one with the other and with him and so on, till we get into the very inner holy of holies, the Ark of the Covenant, and the mercy seat, the meeting place between sinful man and a holy God. All of it speaks of what? The person of Christ. The Old Testament is full of Christ. 15th chapter of uh, uh, of Corinthians, 1 Corinthians, where Paul is bringing the defense of the resurrection. He starts with the gospel, doesn't he? He says, this, you, this is the means, this is the way that you were saved. Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried and that he rose again according to the scriptures. What scriptures? The New Testament hadn't even been formulated. It's the Old Testament. The Old Testament is full of Christ. Every page, 66 books in this one book, speaks of the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. And sometimes I find that we have difficulty bringing him to mind. Why? Because we're not in this book. And so through the week, this is where we should be seeking the person of the Lord Jesus. 
And then, of course, as we come, the end objective is what? Worship. Oh, if we remember him, if our thoughts are wrapped around him, will it not lead the heart to worship? Worship is not the heart's occupation with its needs, nor even with its blessings. I think our brother Doug said it this morning, worship needs an object, God himself. That's worship, the focus on the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. The expression of worship is as if it were an overflowing of the heart. Well, that doesn't happen just coming in here on a Sunday morning. It happens through the week as our hearts are filled. And we come here and we'll listen to one brother and then to another bring out more of the person of the Lord, the value of the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Our hearts are brought to overfilling and our expression of our lips then is worship to the Lord the Lord's Supper the final thing is of course it's the declaration of his return it's a prophecy of his coming do this until I come what a tremendous privilege to be able to come to the Lord's Supper, to remember the Lord. But what a tremendous accountability we have for taking it lightly or being here inappropriately. We can fool one another, but we can't fool the Lord. The expression of the heart, worship, it's gone. Let us close in prayer. Our Father, we do thank thee for thy word. We thank thee, Father, that this great ordinance of the Lord's Supper was instituted by the Lord Jesus. And it is all about him, the very center, the apex and foundation of the church. And here on the local level, we've been given the privilege, O oh blessed Father, to remember him in his person, as well as his work on our behalf. We thank thee, O oh gracious God, that thou hast taken us into thy confidence and has shared thy precious son with us. The one in whom you find all of your delight. You have shared with sinful creatures. We pray, O oh blessed Father, that as we do come, to remember the Lord, that we might see him through
through your eyes. The only common ground we have with thee, Father, is thy lovely Son. O oh, blessed Father, may we see him as you see him. We thank thee, Father, for him and for all that he is to thee as well as us. In his lovely name we pray. Amen.